Hey, Bucks fans, make sure you go follow one of our sponsors, Split Ticks. Follow them on Twitter at S P L I T T I K S. So, what is Split Ticks? Well, you're able to reserve sports, concert, and other event tickets with a small deposit and pay off the rest in a flexible payment plan before your event date. So make sure you take advantage of that. And because you're a listener of the All Things Bucks podcast, you're able to use promo code All Things Buccaneers. Use that promo code and you will get a 10% discount on your purchase. Hey, and remember, go Bucks. Welcome to the All Things Bucks Podcast. I am your co-host, Corey Hayes. Follow me on Twitter at Corey underscore Hayes 407. And it's CJ at Corey J863. And today we are going to be recapping the Falcons versus Bucks week six game. But first, let's hop into the topic of the day. The Buccaneers have fired defensive coordinator mike smith oh, mike fucking day. smith is gone oh, he is gone day. baby he oh, is happy gone. day oh happy day when he washed when jesus washed <laughs> <laughs> it's a celebration it, it is a celebration you hate to see a man lose his job but this this was much needed. We saw what we saw the past three seasons with him as defensive coordinator. His stats as defensive coordinator. In 2016, the defense allowed 23.1 points a game, 368 yards a game, yep. and were ranked 23rd. In 2017, the defense allowed 23.9 points a game, 378 yards a game, and were dead last in the NFL. This year, in five games... The defense has allowed 34.8 points per game, which is the worst in the NFL, 445.8 yards per game, and they're ranked 31st. Now, those are very, very bad stats. Horrible. Horrific. That, that, that shows something about the defense coordinator and exactly how the defense is running behind him. Greg Allman tweeted out, the Buccaneers defense has an interception rate of 0.51%, 1 in 198. Not only is it the worst in the NFL, but would be the worst for any NFL defense going back to 1981. What does that say? We can't get a turnover? Oh, man. We cannot get a turnover or an interception. Interception, more likely. Um, he also said the Bucks defense remains on pace to set NFL season records for points allowed, 553, which is 20 more mm. than the 1981 Colts, Baltimore Colts, and passing yards allowed, 5,689, which would be 893 more than the 2011 Packers. The Bucks are also challenging for total yards allowed by the 2012 Saints, which had 7,042. The Bucks right now are on course for 7,036. And the Chiefs, wow, the Chiefs would be ahead of the Bucks with 7,491. So that record, if both defenses hold up right now, that record would be broken. And to give up so many NFL records as a defense was horrible. So to be on pace for it as well. So for our defense to finally not have him at the helm, we'll see if it helps. Mike Duffner, the linebacker coach, 
is taking over as the interim defensive coordinator. Dirk Cutter said, it hurts to get rid of a friend. I believe in his press conference he said it's the second most hurtful thing that he's had to do as a coach. But business is business. It is what it is. It's business. You know your job's on the line. You know that the defense has been costing the Buccaneers games for the past three seasons. Yep. Uh, maybe even longer. They've done it for the past decade or so, but the past three seasons have, have been the worst. And it's set our franchise quarterback up to fail because he's had to play from behind so many times. Or he's put us ahead and the defense has let the other team go down and score and lose us the game. So it was time for Mike fucking Smith to get packing i'm sorry mike you lost your job but again business is business you weren't doing the job that you were hired to do your defense was not communicating with each other the way that they should under you and it cost you your job so dirt cutter made dirt cutter made the right decision letting go of his his longtime friend and now we'll see how the defense goes out and performs under Duffner with six days to prepare for the Browns. And, Corey, did, did you also mention the completion percentage in the passer ratings for this year? I did not. You can oh, touch let, on let that, me, CJ. Let me go, go ahead. ahead and, let me go ahead and throw those numbers out there. So the NFL record um, for pass defense in a season for opposition completion percentage is 72.6%. Right now, we are at a 77.1% clip. That would kill that record. That is god-awful. Quarterbacks are completing 77% of their passes on us. And then it gets worse. Passer rating. The NFL record for a season is 116.2. We are allowing quarterbacks to have a passer rating of 130 right now. Oh, my. That, that is absolutely horrible. That's for this, That's- just this season. Oh, oh, that is that is absolutely horrible. I couldn't I couldn't imagine a defense playing that bad, but we've seen it firsthand. Um, being in Atlanta for this game, I saw exactly what happened in the first three drives for the Falcons, where they went down and scored. I knew we were in for another long game via the defense, and it showed. Matt Ryan, I believe, was twelve for twelve in his first twelve passes. And like you mentioned, the uh, completion percentage and the QB rating, that's that's something that I've never heard of, and it had to happen. It did. It happened. I'm glad it happened because at the end of the day, the defense is holding us back from winning games. It's, it's got to the point where our offense, as explosive as they are, to even have a chance to win a game, we have to score 30 points. Most teams, if you're scoring 30 points, you're going to win that game. But we're at a point with this defense where we have to get to the 30-point mark to have a chance to win. That's just setting yourself up for failure. And Mike Smith, the, the numbers speak for themselves. At the end of the day, with the numbers that has been put up, that has been compiled, this is not just this year. This has been over a period of time. And I tweeted this out today. Mike Smith stayed here, and we kept him here because of the glimpse he showed with the progress of the defense two years ago when we went on that five-game stretch where the defense looked like they wanted to go and be an elite defense. We were getting they pressure. Looked like the, they were trying to do the 2002 route where right. they were going to be an elite defense, like you said. Right. And once you get into the offseason, Jason Light has done his job by adding more defensive talent. So you would think that the team 
would improve defensively, especially being in the same system consistently, the same coaching staff with better players. But that wasn't the case here. And there, there's no more excuses. There's no more reasoning. There's no more, nothing else we could do for Mike Smith. He had to go. He did. And like you mentioned, that was the reason why we kept him and signed him to that big contract for a defensive coordinator. Yep. I believe his contract was actually the highest paid defensive coordinator in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. You are not mistaken. We paid him that money because we were afraid that he was going to be a head coach for another team. Yep. Um, that was... Now we see that that was a very bad decision. Fans were happy back when he got the oh, extension we because the, the because of like you said the five the five game win streak. The defense was playing lights out. The potential was there. We had the talent, and you mentioned Jason Light. You mentioned Jason Light going out and getting defensive players that come in to help our team. Yep. The players the players are good talent minus Chris Baker, but <laughs> the players are good talent. Robert Ayers even said it. Mike Smith was only running two plays a game. And you can see it. You could see that the defense was so vanilla. They were running two coverages a game. They were playing 10 to 12 yards off. So we'll see. We'll see if without Mike Smith, if we're going to continue to run the same scheme yeah. or if Duffner's going to be more aggressive and bring more blitzes. Well, he's going to have to do something different because if he does not change up the defense, what's the point of making you the defensive coordinator? He's going to have True. to come out there and show a different look for this defense moving forward for the rest of the season. And this is for him to get this promotion, even though this it's is his audition. This is his audition. This is his audition. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. This is his audition to advance his career in the NFL. So hopefully he can right the ship on defense for us and we can start making some plays and giving our offense a chance to keep putting up those points and not having to be in a close game in the 30s. Yeah, the offense cannot continue to put up that many points a game and expect to lose. That's that's what's been happening. We've seen it. Um, so Coach Duffner now comes in as a defensive coordinator who's been around the NFL for 22 years. So that's why he got promoted to interim defensive coordinator. I saw a lot of fans campaigning for Coach Buckner to become defensive coordinator. I think it's too so, soon for him. I believe it's too soon as well. I love how vocal he is. I love how he connects with his players. Um, some of the players were even vocal about wanting Coach Buck as defensive coordinator, but you still need a little more time with the team in order to take that role and get get acclimated with becoming a defensive coordinator. Because, like you said, it's too soon. He's he's just been a D line coach. He doesn't he doesn't know what it takes to be a coordinator just yet. So let him get his feet wet underneath underneath him and we'll see what happens yep i think I, that's all i got to say about that i ain't got nothing else to say i'm happy that this move has happened um I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the defense will look like and let's let's try and get this thing rolling because we've now lost three games in a row so fix it <laughs> yeah so before we hop into talking about the falcons game as you all know, I was in attendance for the game. Um, the atmosphere in Atlanta was great. Shout out to John Superfan Blakey and the ATL Bucks for holding the Buccaneer Invasion tailgate. Great time, great people. It was it was a great atmosphere mixed with Bucks and Falcons fans. 
Um, the Falcons Sports Radio Network was in the same parking lot as the tailgate talking about how the Bucks were going to get killed and that Jameis Winston was going to have an off game. But other than that distraction from them, the tailgate, the tailgate was amazing. Like I said, great people. The Mercedes-Benz Stadium is something else. If, if you ever have the chance to go to Atlanta and visit, I recommend it. It is something else. It is something like you've never seen before. The concessions are so low priced. The stadium in itself has HD screens wrapped around the stadium so everyone can see what's going on on the field. Even up in the cheap seats, you can see the field. So the atmosphere was great in Atlanta. Falcons fans, though, Falcons fans don't show up to support their team win or lose. Uh, a 1 and 4 team against a 2 and 2 team, and the stadium is half empty. You could hear more Bucks fans cheering than you could Falcons fans. That's that's how bad it was in the beginning of the game. But as the game went on, the Falcons fans started to show up and cheer. But other than that, I can't really say anything bad about Atlanta. It was a great time, great atmosphere. I enjoyed myself, and I know a lot of other people did. All right, so let's hop into it right now. Let's talk about the Falcons' offense against us. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan always seems to pick us apart every single time that we play him. And uh, Sunday was no different. Matt Ryan went 31 for 41 for 354 yards and three touchdowns and had zero interceptions. That seems to be a trend every single time that he plays the Buccaneers. And... It was due in part to the scheme that we run on defense. He just seems to find the holes because we play 10 to 12 yards off. So Matt Ryan just seems to find those holes where he needs to, and that helps him against us in the passing game. Their running game did not really get going. They had a rushing touchdown from Ito Smith, but other than that, it was pretty much non-existent. Tevin Coleman rushed 10 times for 35 yards. Ito Smith rushed 11 times for 22 yards, and Matt Ryan had that one scramble in the fourth quarter for 13 yards other than that there was no rushing game against us our run defense is still standing strong Julio Jones Julio Jones we all know that he likes to have big games against Tampa this game was no different Julio Jones had 10 catches for 143 yards but through six games he still has no touchdowns this season he can, um, he's allergic to the end zone. He can get all the yards in between <laughs> the one and the one, but he's allergic to the end zone for some reason this year. I wouldn't say allergic to the end zone. i just say Matt Ryan doesn't target him in the red zone because he gets close. He gets them close to the end zone, and then Matt Ryan doesn't throw to a six foot five receiver who can pretty much jump over any DB to get the ball. Uh, their tight end, Austin Hooper, had a good game. He would find the holes and stand in the middle of the field. You saw it a few times on film. He'd just go and find the hole on 39, 3rd and 10 and stand there in the middle, and Matt Ryan would get the completion for the first down. He also had a touchdown. Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanu. Calvin Ridley injured his ankle in the first quarter, did not return to the game, but he still had... I believe three, yeah, three catches for 47 yards. Muhammad Sanu had two catches for for 46 yards and one touchdown. That was their first drive of the game. Muhammad Sanu broke loose on a long touchdown, but other than that, nobody else was existing in their offense. Yeah, they they were they were on early. Um, once those injuries settled in, it kind of slowed them down, especially for the um, once we get into the, the second half of of the game, but. 
that that slowed them down a little bit. But they were having their way with our defense. And if Kevin really would have got hurt, Sanu would have got hurt, this game probably would have got out of hand. So it, that it had the potential. It had the potential. Yeah, it really did. The way it that really they went did. their their first three drives, I believe they scored three touchdowns to start the game in a row. That that set the tone for their offense pretty much the whole game. The they only ended up scoring thirty four points. They scored twenty four in the first half. But those first three touchdowns against our six points because Chandler Chandler Catanzaro decides to miss an extra point after we drive down the field on the first drive was costly. We we our defense did not show up against their offense in the first half. Not at all. And this this also has been a trend. We can't keep putting ourselves in situations to start games out where we're trailing at halftime and now we're going to have to come make a comeback to tighten up on the defensive side of the ball and then have our offense outscore an offense that's been shredding us. So it's it's frustrating to watch and that that's why Mike Smith was fired because cuz cuz of that situation right there. Uh, but their their offense was having their way and they've always been a team who ran the ball outside. They found some room and they they made plays. They, they made did. plays on us. They did make plays when they counted. They made plays when they counted down the stretch as well. Like I said, they had 24 points in the first half. They got a touchdown from Tevin Coleman on a six-yard reception in the fourth quarter. And in their last drive of the fourth quarter, Matt Bryant nailed a 56- or 57-yard field goal and injured his hamstring in the process. But that put us in the predicament where we needed to go down and score a touchdown instead of a field goal at the end of the game. But we'll touch on that a little bit later. The Falcons' defense, their defensive line was pretty much non-existent in this game. Didn't really see anything from Tack McKinley or Vic Beasley. How about you, CJ? Did you see anything from them? Not much. Um, not much. Because, you know, our offensive line is pretty solid. Except. Caleb Benedock. Caleb Benedock. Caleb Benedock. He, he's he's next on the hit list. And the hit list, I mean the players, players and coaches that need to be fired or benched. Caleb Benedock don't need to step on the field no more. But then who would you put in the spot? Would you throw Evan Smith into the fire once again as an undersized lineman? I would rather trust Evan Smith at this point than Caleb Benedict. Caleb Benedict gets beat so bad, it destroys offensive plays. He's got the big size. I don't know how he loses the leverage every single time. But speaking on their defensive line, Jack Crawford did have a sack on Jameis Winston. That's the one thing that their defensive line did. The rest of the game, it was all linebackers and secondary they had Foye Olukuan, had 10 tackles. Devondre Campbell had five tackles. Bruce Carter was even in there. Brooks Reed, Duke Riley. Um, who else? Oh, DeMonte Casey as a safety. Brian Poole. Brian Poole and DeMonte Casey both had interceptions off of Jameis Winston. But other than that, their defense 
was no match for our offense. But we already knew that coming into the game that their defense was pretty much deflated. They were ranked 31st in the NFL. So we we knew what was going to happen going into the game. It was just all about execution for our offense. Since we just touched on their defense, let's go ahead and touch on our offense. Jameis Winston's first game back as a starter. Week 6 in Atlanta, one hour away from his hometown of Bessemer, Alabama. This is always a home game for Jameis. He always shows up against Atlanta in Atlanta. He was 2-0 going into this game. Mm -hmm. Jameis Winston's stats in this game, he was 30 for 41 for 395 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. Now, on the stat sheet, that doesn't look so bad at all. The two interceptions are the part that looks bad, but you really can't say anything. One of those picks, one was definitely his fault. He he, he airmailed the pass to Deshaun Jackson. The second one, that was questionable. That actually, because the defender didn't look back. He did not look back. That should have been P.I. It definitely should have been pass interference. And I think that's exactly why Jameis threw it. Because that should have been passing the field. He thought he was going to get the flag, exactly. He also had Adam Humphreys, I heard, down down in the middle, wide open. That could have walked into the end zone, but he thought he was going to get the flag with that throw. As for the throw to Deshaun Jackson deep, I was in that end zone right there above that tunnel, so I was sitting there watching. Deshaun Jackson seemed to slip on that route, which made the ball sail a little bit over his head into the hands of a Falcons defender. The referees were also wrong on that interception, trying to mark the ball at the five-yard line, when the defender clearly did not get touched until the one-yard line. So, of course, I was in the stands screaming at the ref, telling them they're down at the one-yard line. They went and reviewed it. What's the outcome? He's down at the one-yard line. So other than those two plays that are questionable, you can't really say yes or no, they're his fault. Of course, he shouldn't have thrown into the coverage to Chris Godwin. But other than that, Jameis, Jameis had a pretty much perfect day in terms of quarterback. I think his rating was 110, which is, which is very solid for a quarterback. Uh, people were worried that Jameis wasn't going to have a good game. They were calling for Fitzpatrick and everything. I don't understand it, man. Jameis, Jameis is Jameis. We know what's going to happen with Jameis. He's cleaned up his mechanics in the offseason. And you could tell during the game that he's getting more comfortable in this season. He's getting more comfortable being more of a veteran in this league. So he's going to be Jameis and Throughout the rest of the season, those turnovers will go down. He won't have the turnover problem. I completely, I completely agree with that. Uh, he, James is gonna take some risk when he when he plays, but he's you can see, yeah, just like Brett Favre, but like you can Brett see Favre, he's, he's, just like Brett Favre, he's um adapted to the offense. You can tell he has a good grasp of the offense. He definitely looked and checked for his reads. You could, if you're watching the game and you paid attention. Jameis was able to go through his progressions and then make right and then check and then down. Checked out, make the right play. That's what an elite quarterback does. They do a check down. You see Tom Brady do it all the time. That's what an elite quarterback does. If there's nothing open down the field, you throw the check down. And that's what Jameis did in the fourth quarter to Peyton Barber, which resulted in that five-yard touchdown pass. Speaking on Peyton Barber, Peyton Barber had the best game of the year for himself this year. 13 rushes for 82 yards. He also had... Four catches for 24 yards and that touchdown that I just talked about. What What are your thoughts on Peyton Barber this game, oh, he had a CJ? Great game. Oh, they they 
came out determined to establish the run, and Peyton Barber stepped up to the plate. Coach Carter, he said that Peyton Barber had his best week of practice, and it came out and it showed in this game. I wish we could have ran the ball more, but you know what happens when you get down in the game because your defense is buns, so you got to slow down on your running and stick with the passing attack. But I think they did a great job rushing this game. And uh, Peyton Barber, congrats on getting your first touchdown, even though it wasn't on the ground. Because the one that you, you could have had catch, on the ground, yeah. you know who got beat on their move? Caleb Benedict. Caleb Benedict. Yeah. At the, at two, the two yard, yard line. line. At the two yard line. That's the play that resulted in Jameis Winston's interception to Chris Godwin because after that run, we got a false yeah. start and then Jameis threw the pick. So that that was what happened in, as a result. So, like you said, Peyton Barber did have the best day of his season. Dirk Cutter touched on it in the press conference. Uh, or, no, actually, on a radio, a radio call on Friday before the game. So. I'm looking forward to more of Peyton Barber touching the ball as long as our defense doesn't get us in a predicament where we have to pass, pass, pass. And people say that Peyton Barber's not a lead back, but I beg to differ with the way that he runs hard and waits for the holes. He, He knows what he's doing. He's improved. We've seen it. We saw it in preseason, and we're seeing it now. He's he's doing his best to get out there and run. We just don't run enough. This game was a little more balanced. A little more balanced with run and pass. We had a run from Deshaun Jackson on the end of round also. And then, of course, Jameis had a few scrambles. But Peyton Barber was pretty much the, the one toting the rock, and he did a great job of it. Um... Touching on your boy Ronald Jones, he got in the game. Rojo? He got in the game. PB and J. We didn't get as much as we wanted to see from Rojo in the rushing game. He only had one carry for three yards, but he did get in on the action in the Rojo passing game. The ball. He did. He had, he had three catches I'm for sixteen yards. Did they put stick? Did they put stick him on his hands I mean, like I, you said? I can't, too? I can't. I can't confirm. You know, over over the airways, but you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's speak on let's speak on our pass catchers right now. Adam Humphreys led all Buccaneers receivers with three catches for 82 yards, including a 51 yarder that took us down to right the two yard line. Before Adam Humphreys, if you ever find yourself listening to this podcast, my man, you cannot get caught on the two yard line. I need you to die from the five. <laughs> soon as you got caught, I knew what time it was. I knew that. He's, I was like, oh, he got caught? Oh, we probably won't even get no points here. He's he's short. You can't expect him to die from that far, CJ. He's not Julio who's going to die I, from the five-yard line. I completely yard understand, line. but his momentum would have had him flying into the end zone. Because while he he had a great play, but since he didn't score, because the Bucks as a franchise historically, when people get caught inside the five at the explosive play, we don't score. <laughs> We don't score a touchdown. We don't score a touchdown, and that was another red zone woe. But Adam Humphreys, if he doesn't get chopped by the legs, that's a touchdown because the safety is not going to catch him. The I believe it was it was a cornerback that caught him. Brian Poole was chasing him from behind because that's who he beat on his route. But if Adam Humphreys doesn't oh, get chopped sure. below sure. in the legs, then it's a touchdown. So the game the game changes right there either way if Adam Humphrey scores a touchdown. Let's go into OJ Howard. OJ Howard, you and I both did not expect him to play in this game with a sprained MCL. And he came out he came out and had him a game, four catches for 62 yards and one touchdown. OJ is they they call him LeBron James at tight end 
I don't see how he played. You could tell, and you can also the camera, the the TV broadcast of the game. You could tell he was still in pain uh, from from that injury. I don't know if you could see it at the game, Gore. I couldn't. I couldn't see it at the game because every time that he was getting the ball, it was either going the opposite direction. But when he got the touchdown, he caught it in front of me. But he was falling into the end zone, so you can't really see the yeah. facial expression on the player. But it looked like he was so happy to get that touchdown because he came out and threw the ball aggressively into a spike, and it almost bounced up into the crowd near me, which was high up in the above the tunnel. So that's how you knew he was hyped up to oh, even sure. be playing. And like you said, LeBron James of the NFL, man, LeBron James at his age was playing 82 games the full season last year. Don't know how. O.J. Howard's a freak of nature playing with a sprained MCL. So I, I can see that oh, comparison. Yeah. I mean, that says O.J. as his size, his speed at the position. is is He's our biggest mismatch um, on offense. He's, he's a bigger mismatch than Mike Evans, than Deshaun, because he's going up against – He's as fast. He's as fast as most receivers are as a tight end, and he's he's going up against uh, the linebackers, so he's going to beat him almost every time. But see, I thought he would be more of a decoy in this game, to be honest, since they said he was going to play. I did as well, but but he wasn't. He was an impactful hey, player. Big time players make big time plays in big time games. Unfortunately, we didn't get the W. We didn't get the W. You're not lying, right there. We did not get the W, but he still he still made some big plays. I want to throw a congratulations out to Mike Evans becoming Mike's the all time franchise leading receiver in this game. He had he had four catches for fifty eight yards um, in the fourth quarter when we were trailing by five. He had a catch that I believe he should have gone out of bounds and saved us some time. Instead, instead he stayed in bounds. Instead, he stayed in bounds. Ran back towards the line, tossed the ball to the referee who fumbled it about 10 yards and wasted about 20 seconds on the clock. So that that took a little opportunity away from us. But still, congratulations to Mike Evans on this accomplishment. At 25 years old, he is the leading receiver for the Buccaneers. Yeah, Mike Mike has been phenomenal ever since the Bucs drafted him. That is a home run pick. Mike could retire today. He's the best Buccaneer receiver in franchise history. No disrespect to anybody else, but Mike Evans, as long as he remains a Buccaneer, he is going to destroy the records. He's he's definitely going to destroy the records, and I don't think anybody will ever catch him, especially when he can play probably till past 35 years old. So he's got at least another 10-year career going, unless he gets injured, but pray that that doesn't happen. I see him going for a long time with number three, both of them having their connection going together for a long time. For this franchise also our wide receiver 2b chris godwin big nice impact this game six catches for 56 yards and one touchdown could have had two touchdowns like we touched on earlier with the interception but it is what it is he still made his impact he was in there he got him him a touchdown goes in on the fantasy football stats so good for him all of our receiving cores making an impact. Cam Bray, welcome back. One catch for 15 yards and a touchdown on the opening drive. Jameis Winston's number one target in the red zone got him a touchdown. And it happened in Chicago, too. Jameis Winston's number one red zone target, Cameron Bray, now has two touchdowns when Jameis oh, yeah. Winston is back. I, I knew Cameron Bray was going to get catches and be a target of this game because just looking at the history and the connection, between him and Jameis, you knew it was coming. So I definitely started Cam Braden fantasy. I definitely started Jameis 
in fantasy because I knew he would put up the numbers against his defense just based on the offense and the weapons that that we have. So um, definitely looking forward to seeing more of that connection. And also, Jameis um, spreading the ball around. You got you saw a lot of different players make catches and, and make plays. So Jameis is going to spread the ball around. He's going to get people an opportunity to make some plays. And that's exactly what you need to keep other defenses on their heels. And to be honest, if we would have had a little bit more time, because we didn't have the time, we would have won the game. I had, I had no doubt we, we would win the game, game because I know what we James game. does in clutch time. In crunch time, you've seen it. You've seen it per- firsthand. I've seen it firsthand. I was at the game at the end of last year versus the New Orleans Saints. Jameis comes to play when when it's under two minutes. He thrives in those. He thrives. I he thrives in nine crunch, out of ten crunch times time. in those situations. People, people call it garbage, garbage minutes. People call it garbage minutes, but if you're playing to win the game, how's it garbage minutes? Exactly. Unfortunately, we ran out of time. I think that last play um, of the game, once I seen... Okay, so once I saw that that was the play, once... once That was a beautiful, I, beautiful I was, play I call. Once I saw beautiful Tennessee play call. Ran up, I was like, okay, so this got to be something because Jameis ain't going to make it. <laughs> so I was like, I know Jameis ain't going to make it, so they got to have something up their sleeves. And once I seen how the play was developed, I'm like, oh man, if this could work. But unfortunately, they moved, they moved Adam Humphreys up there to follow Jameis, so that pulled in uh, the defender that was out there with Sean Jackson on the edge. So if Mike Evans does not get mauled in the middle when he's trying to toss the ball, that ball goes directly to Sean Jackson, and Deshaun just goes rolling into the end zone for a touchdown, and we win the game, and we're all happy. Exactly. It was one of those just is you you you're gonna. Make the shot, or you're going to miss the shot. We took the shot, but we just didn't make the shot. Would have been a talk of the NFL if that play would have worked because it would have been number one play all over Sports Center, all over Fox Sports, all oh, over. Oh, it was, it was still all over Twitter, even though it didn't convert. People were like, this would have been probably the greatest play in history if it was converted. Exactly. So it was worth the shot. I It took, it take guts to make that call, um, but it just, we just fought, fell, fell short. In that play, if we had we more did. time, I had all the trust in the world that Jameis would have went down that field, made the right reads, made the right plays, and put us in position to win that game, and we would have been coming out three and two instead of two and three. But that's not the case here, and we have a lot of work to do um, to get our season back on track. Back with on the track. Expectations that we had for this team. It's too much talent on this team um, for the team to be performing the way that they are, especially on defense. Shout out, Jason Pierre-Paul. Another sack for the game. Oh, yeah. Five sacks in five games. He's on pace to to get over the 10-sack mark, which is outstanding, like we talked about earlier. That was my prediction before the season. Jason Pierre-Paul would be the first Buccaneer in years to get over 10 sacks. Yep. And um, another note, Jared McCoy got hurt early in the game. A lot of people was crying. Oh, when Jerry McCoy making no impact? Oh man, trade him! Like, look, man, he got hurt early in the game, so and he continued to play on it. And then in the fourth quarter, he just ended up falling down with it. And I saw him. I saw him after the game. He was in a walking boot, so it doesn't look good on the Gerald McCoy front right now. But we'll see exactly what happens throughout the week. Like we talked about O.G. Howard. O.G. Howard came back from that sprained MCL. We don't know how badly severe injured Gerald McCoy's calf is. So we'll monitor the injury report throughout the week. And we will have that in the Browns 
preview podcast. Before we close it wait, out, wait, though, wait, CJ, wait, hold what, on. We, we're not getting ready to close because we also have to talk about a, a a young man who made an impact play in this game. Who? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about Via Vea. We uh, needed that play in the fourth quarter. Oh, stuff. Guess who was there? On the third, the third and one from midfield. The third and one. Guess who was there? Holding his ground, stuffed that play to set it up so we can get that stop. It was him. Set it up that Quan. Quan and Levante could get in there and get the hit on the running back. Yeah. I couldn't see, but I knew that the trenches were stuffed right there. So, like you said, props to Vita for getting in there and uh, making the play. He he didn't make it on his own, but he had a big impact on that play. I'm going to have to go back and watch some film on him from this game. Since I was in the stadium, I couldn't really see in the trenches what was going on because you like to pay attention more to the ball than what's going on in the trenches. But... Like you said, that was an impactful play that put us in a position to where they were either going to punt or they were going to kick a Matt Bryant field goal, which they did, which was good. And that's what I was going to talk about before we closed it out with special teams. Man, um, I really do think that we have a kicking curse. No, you don't have to think that. This is facts. <laughs> the kicking game is cursed ever since Mark Dominant let go of Matt Bryant. Period. You look at it, the, the stats don't lie. Our kickers um, are historically bad since Matt Bryant left and went to the UFL and then to the Atlanta Falcons where he now haunts us two games a year. And he definitely haunted us in this game. Like I said, he kicked a 57-yard field goal in crunch time that put them up five instead of being up two with us having a chance to go down and kick a field goal and put it in Chandler Catanzaro's hands. Mm-hmm. Um our team talks about that they have a lot of faith in Chandler Catanzaro and everything. They say he's been in the league for a while. Jameis even said it. If if they don't make the field goal there, he has faith that Chandler Catanzaro, because he's a veteran, will go down and sink the field goal to win the game for us. But I, overall, I haven't been satisfied with Chandler Catanzaro this season in regards to extra points. Field goals... We haven't attempted many this year, but extra points, extra points is where those extra points come from. We that we lost the point. Extra point. It cost us because we had to go for it, two, and later on in the game, and we didn't convert, exactly. so we left points it cost on us the board. The rest of the game, we we left points on the board, and in the end, that that was fatal to us, and it was our downfall. So. We need somebody to work on extra points with him because the extra point is no longer from the two-yard line. you got to back up to the 17. So they need to work with Chandler Catanzaro a little more on his extra points, and hopefully throughout the rest of the season we don't have another missed extra point that could come back to haunt us in the game. Yeah, because it was early too. It, it, it was that first like, drive. Oh, this is, it was the first drive. This is drive. how this game gonna go. We already we we walked down the field. We scored. Now you gonna come out and miss the extra point? Uh, it's just, it's just frustrating. It, it it's just really frustrating because um that actually changed because we had to go for two, and now because of different situations, now you have to think what's the next move going to be. If you do score, are you in a position to get a field goal to tie it? So it just it just made the game more complicated than what it should have been. Exactly. So on that note, this will wrap up the Falcons recap podcast. I am your co-host, Corey Hayes, and that is CJ. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter, 
Follow All Things Bucks on Twitter at All Things TB Bucks. Go ahead and follow our podcast page on Twitter at ATB Podcast underscore. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Corey underscore Hayes 407. And also, I'm going to close out with this. I know you like the singing early in the pod. So since Mike Smith was firing that, we were all clamoring for that. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When he walked, when Jesus walked, oh, happy day. Go Bucks. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> All right. Go Bucks, baby.